Able Voice Podcast, where your voice is more than a melody. Join us in planting seeds in a growing field. children's performer Daria Marmaluke Hazioanu has spent almost three decades performing in the USA and around the world, creating music to inspire all the world's children. Along with numerous national awards for her culturally diverse music, Daria is a published author of multicultural teaching resources that introduce children to world cultures through music, world music instruments, and musical play. Along with bilingual versions of popular world music songs, Daria's I Have a Dream song is used widely to celebrate Martin Luther King Day. Her Earth Day anthem is used in over a dozen different countries around the world. Her beautiful Rainbow World song, which we had the privilege to experience in this episode, is used in Australia as a part of a Respecting Others curriculum in South African schools as part of a Teach Tolerance initiative, and in a recent book, beautiful rainbow world that features dazzling images of multicultural and mixed-race children from around the world. We were incredibly inspired by Daria's bravery and willingness to share her story with us. We hope that you find value in this episode and listen to her call to action. To be accepting of others, be willing to learn, and discover more of our beautiful rainbow world through music. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Able Voice Podcast with Kim and Haley. Hello! Today, we are so excited to be joined by our guest, Daria. Hi, Daria. Welcome to Able Voice. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I love what you both do, and it's just kind of fun to come on and be a participant as well. Yes, absolutely. We are so, so excited to have you here and to delve into everything that you do with within world music and the instruments that you make. So perhaps to start off, maybe you can describe how your passion for world music has evolved and where it started. Well, when I was a little girl, um, I, I kind of lived in an abusive household. So books and music took me to different places. And I left like many kids as soon as I could, and I was able to find a way to live in another country. And it was in an indigenous culture. And in that culture, Quechua culture, I found the kind of love and responsiveness and, and um, caring that I hadn't really gotten, you know, in living with my birth family in the United States. The interesting thing, though, is I'd always loved music and boy, music, dance, speech. It was all there. It was just so beautiful. So it was kind of this wonderful double blessedness where not only did I find kindness, did people consider me important, you know, where I'd been invisible before, but I also got to learn both Spanish and Quechua, which to me are really both beautiful languages, but I got to see how indigenous people look at music, which is a little different than how the modern world does. And being able to kind of see both sides of the coin, it really helps me wherever I go because I can see, you know, kind of what um, Western music to me sometimes is very structured or sometimes it's aimed at sounding like the best vocalist in the world. And in uh, indigenous cultures, in Quechua culture, everyone sings. Nobody points to someone and says, oh, Ralph is a bad singer. (laughs) You know, they, they, 
everyone sings. No mother would ever say, I can't sing a, a lullaby to my child. It's, it is as expected as walking. You know, it, it is just, and dancing, everyone dances. And I love the fact that as I would then go to live in different cultures or learn about them or, or spend time doing workshops, I would see all these wonderful components of kind of how to um, reach people through music or kind of recreate that moment, that moment when everyone is working together, mm -hmm. when, when we magically become one. And it happens so rarely, but music and dance and the arts can do that. And I think that's really where it all started. It started from a lack of having those things and a passion to find out there must be more to life. There must be a place where you're visible and we're heard and where your voice matters, not because it's the best voice in the world, but because it's your voice. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh, I'm a little bit speechless from that because I feel like everything you just said hits my soul so deeply. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. As <laughs> music therapists. Because it's sometimes hard to put these concepts into words. For sure, yeah. Absolutely. Well, As music therapists, I think that we uh, feel the same way. Sometimes you said it's almost magic the way that it happens and it brings us together and it creates that feeling um, within somebody or within groups of people. And often you'll hear people refer to us as ma magicians or, you know, <laughs> like we, um, in a recent episode, somebody said we're working with magic and, and in, in a way wow. that really feels uh, true. It's hard to put in words sometimes what that does, but you know, yeah, you just said it so beautifully. Well, I think people are changed after a moment like that and everyone recognizes it and like you two work, you just, when you've experienced that, you want it more and more and you want it for other people and you want it for little tiny kids and you want it for the seniors you play to. And it just, it's kind of something that you want to keep doing and learn to do better and all that. Yeah. I, I like the concept too of everybody can do it. It's so accessible, which is something that I personally love as well. And in music therapy, we celebrate everybody's capabilities, however they show up. In music is the way that they show up and we work with what they have. And uh, as you said, in, in the Western cultures, we tend to really set the bar of, of really uh, wanting to achieve this level of proficiency. And um, instead of really embracing the beauty that can sometimes come out of a flaw, quote unquote. Um, there are beautiful things that can come out of exploration through your voice and different kinds of voices and different styles. And um, I think that when we put ourselves in this bubble of achieving a level of proficiency, it can sometimes be a little isolating. I think that's so true. But I think there's also kind of hidden, what I remember as a child were like hidden agendas. Certain people looked right and other people shouldn't. Certain people's voices were good. Other people's voices weren't. There's like, there are these kind of hidden undercurrents, which I would call either prejudice or racism, that certain things are better than other things. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it isn't just achieving proficiency, which I think if you're a music teacher, you want that for your child. It was, it was somehow this level of judging certain things as good and other things as less good. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I notice in indigenous culture is that all things are accepted. And I have a godchild that is multiply disabled and no one treats her like less than a human being. 
And I've, again, noticed so much the difference between a person labeled as differently abled here and Terry Lynn. She has trouble walking and no one will ask her to run a race, but they will come up and ask her to draw a picture. Everyone treats her as a 100% whole human being with a different set of human being skills. That to me was so different than what I was raised. I feel that in the culture and in the 60s and 70s when I lived in the United States, there really was just this hierarchy of things and I never felt comfortable with it. And, uh, you know, I think we're still subtly dealing with that now. Um, I was just reviewing a book, Your Name is a Song. And I think the hidden message underneath, the little girl went to school, the teacher couldn't pronounce her name, and she came home sad. And the mother told her about how her names came all the way from Africa or from Islam. And her mother wove this story about how beautiful and meaningful her name was. Mm -hmm. And so those are the kind of things that I feel like the, the it's not just a can-do and proficiency, it, it's this deeper sense of respect for how things show up because they show up differently. And and isn't that marvelous? Wouldn't it be boring if we all looked the same and wore the same clothes and had the same, our voices all sounded the same? <laughs> no, our voices have a rasp or a vibrato or, or strength or a resonance. And that's what makes my voice my voice and your voice your voice. Yeah. How boring it would be if it weren't that way. Oh, totally. It's, it's, you're right. It's this really fundamental difference, isn't it? Of, of in, in Western culture, it sounds like it's more of the um, noticing differences and needing to put some sort of a judgment or association with towards it versus noticing the differences and, and recognizing, yeah, that's what makes you unique. That's what makes you your self oh, and let's embrace that. Yeah. That, that's perfect. And our uniqueness and our diversity is our strength. Mm -hmm. If we were all one kind of thing, you could push it over. But since we're all different, <laughs> we make a strong fabric. It, it's it, These things are all inherent, yeah. you know, in kind of the wisdom of the ancestors. And it's just a matter, I believe, of bringing that forward. You know, there's a lot of wisdom out there. There's a lot of cultural wisdom. When we try to push that down, when we try to not listen to Native people, when we try to not listen to African Americans, when we try to not listen to immigrant Americans, we're missing the, we're, we're not whole, and we're missing the incredibly valuable and beautiful things that they have to bring that make us a whole people. Yeah, absolutely. It all comes with that awareness and being willing to open our eyes and our hearts to things outside of our, our bubbles and the things that we grow up with in our neighborhoods, in our schools, and just open ourselves up to more possibilities. Goodness. I'm so glad you said that because when I go to different places, I also emphasize mother tongue. You know, in so many places, like in Peru, Quechua was considered, uh, you know, I was like, despite the fact that tourism had been their one of their highest revenue sources, they would kind of make fun and belittle the indigenous language. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll tell you the story. Me and a group of girlfriends went back to her hometown and we're carrying our instruments to do a show. And my friend Doris tells them, he goes, how many of you guys speak Quechua? Oh, no, none of us. We don't speak any Quechua. Seriously, do you, do you speak Quechua? I mean, oh, my aunt in the market, she speaks Quechua. She goes, that is so sad because I brought a whole bunch of these delicious lollipops all the way from Lima. But they're only for people that know one word of Quechua, one phrase. Every single one of them opened up. And not just one word or one phrase. They all spoke fluent Quechua. They just didn't want to say it. 
So here's the thing about going back. And the one thing I've learned to say to people is your language is so beautiful. The more languages you speak, the more people you can connect with. Mm -hmm. So if you speak Quechua and Spanish, there's double the number of people. If you learn another language, then you can talk to those people. Rather than, as you were saying, if you present it that, oh, that's different. I don't know if I like that. Presenting to them that the more languages you speak, the more ways you do that, the more friends you can have and the more opportunities and the more, you know, the more amazing moments you can have. So the more languages, the better. And obviously the science too has said, this is not only a great idea, but it's good for our brains. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes us kind of more flexible and, you know, more amazing thinkers. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I resonate with that so much, so strongly. Um, And I know even just from listening to your story, it's not just words coming from you. You've actually lived uh, in different cultures. You told us that you traveled around the world and held workshops in remote locations. And um, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about what you've learned through those experiences. I really, those are some of the experiences I love the most because it, it, they're usually the hardest to get to. You know, you're, you're try, I, I try to pack everything in a suitcase and a backpack and, you know, you'll get stuck on a 16-hour bus ride or, I mean, they're, they're usually kind of travel horror stories, but when you get where you're going, you find that people just want to have those moments of joy with you. And I always bring the things I bring to tell them how people make music around the world. But I focus back on I'm here because I want to know how you make music. And I'll always work with the elders or the, the people in charge. And we're going to, this is not about showing you what other people are doing. This is about doing what you do and bringing that into this. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it works the best is to kind of broaden, to start with respect and broaden it too. And now isn't that interesting? The one my daughter came with me to Israel was so much fun because I had enough room because she came with me. I had another suitcase to pack like a giant powwow drum. So I I was getting Arabic children drumming, doing powwow drumming <laughs> with the with the English days of the week. And it was just a hoot because once you start drumming, get into that groove. It's just this really beautiful transcendental moment. And it's just fun. And then we made up things and we added songs and we used recycled materials to build instruments and we just created, you know, kind of a, a gathering based yeah. on the things I brought and the things they did. Yeah. And I hope that's what I want is empowerment. You know, if you're living in a part of the world, like the Arabic children were in a place where they felt that their voice wasn't as important, how important it is to have an event where their voice matters, where mm-hmm. the songs they wrote or the phrases they wrote get drummed with. Or, I mean, it, it's, it isn't that hard to show kids how important what they have to say is. And yeah. I do it through music. I mean, it can be done through the arts and other things, but just music seems to be my medium. Mm-hmm. But it, it works so well. Yeah, you said something at the start there that just grabbed my heartstrings a little bit because it's it's something that I live by and in my branding for MTA Haley, it's a, it's a butterfly. And I feel like the illustration of 
the the journey of, of growing from discomfort and like having to go through that uncomfortable process in order to get to a place of resolution or joy or empowerment like you mentioned in your travels it's not always a comfortable journey to get to where you go but it's been some of the most wonderful experiences of your life it's amazing how you're right sometimes this <laughs> struggle makes the experience even richer by contrast. And I'm just talking as a facilitator. I'm, you know, I'm just hoping that I know for me growing up and not being seen and heard at home and being abused was very difficult. But there were a few adults and one was a music teacher. She would say my name when I came into the class. So I knew she knew me. She would let me play her auto harp. And, and there was another librarian that I suspect they didn't know what they were doing for me. I suspect they were just being their great old teacher selves. You know, they were greeting everybody the way they did. And yet to me, I was seen, I was heard, and they told me I was important and I was valuable enough to play their instrument, to put my hands on their auto harp and play. I would miss the bus because I'd be running up there to play the auto harp with her. But <laughs> I credit those teachers with giving me the strength to know that there was more to life than what I was experiencing at home. And I don't know what the kids I do facilitate for are going through, but I hope that I am to them what those ladies were to me. I'm the voice that says their name. I'm the one that smiles when they come in there. You know, I am that moment that says, you know what, that language you speak, that's the most beautiful. I came 2,000 miles to hear you speak. You better speak that language to me <laughs> to kind of give them that thing that will resonate with how amazing they are. Mm -hmm. We don't hear that, you know, we don't hear that enough. And in th third world countries, oh my goodness, you don't hear that enough. You are so special. You are so wonderful. You are you. Who knows what you can do? Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. It's so, it's amazing how sometimes the simplest things can have the biggest impact by taking that extra minute to make sure that you know someone's name, that you're saying it to them, that you're recognizing their their individuality, that you let them play an auto harp or something um, to form that connection. It seems so simple in our everyday lives, but it can have such a lasting impact. Oh my goodness. I often wish I could just turn into a little butterfly, fly back and tell them how much of a difference they made to me. Mm -hmm. But it took me till I was older to really look back and understand it. Mm -hmm. And I just hope that, you know, if any teachers are listening or therapists are listening, you may not know, but you may be the one that really made that person decide that life was worth living, you know, and, or I could be a musician or I'm worth something or I feel good about myself today. You may think that you're just being your wonderful old self and you just don't know how sometimes there's a hole in our hearts mm -hmm. and, and, and you have magically filled it even though you can't see it. Yeah. Wow. I think there are going to be a lot of music therapists, teachers, parents, mm -hmm. friends, colleagues who <laughs> needed to hear that message. Yeah. I am so glad. I just, like I said, I can't go back and find them, but hopefully I can talk to the thems of now, you know, mm -hmm. the people doing that right at this moment and tell them you are so valuable. Literally, you, you saved my life. You know, you, you made me believe there were good people in the world. Mm -hmm. And that shape, that, that was a turning point. It was, it was really important. Um, so you were, you were doing that now.
This episode is all about using music to make a difference and impact on the communities we serve. Whether that is finding a way to make your music experiences more accessible, sustainable, or engaging in more diverse musical experiences. This resonates with me so much as I continue through this new year. One way I am choosing to make music more accessible is by providing online music programs accessible anytime from the comfort of your own home. Music and Movement and Music and Speech for Children. Each music bundle comes with an interactive video, a song sheet, and downloadable MP3 files of the program songs. Another exciting opportunity is my new ebook, Mandy's Musical Mask. This is a sing-along style story that invites conversation at a child's level about this new normal we are experiencing together. The ebook comes with a downloadable song and access to an exclusive interview with the authors, myself and Angela L. Fubler. $2 from every purchase will be donated to the L'Arche community in Canada. Across Canada and around the world, L'Arche creates communities of friendship and belonging. In L'Arche, people with and without intellectual disabilities live, work, learn, and grow together. L'Arche demonstrates that when persons with intellectual disabilities take their place at the table, they contribute to a more just, compassionate, and vibrant world for all. So visit www.mdahaley.com to find out more about the online music bundles and the ebook, Mandy's Musical Mask. Now let's get back to the episode. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. This is all just so beautiful, and I'm so glad that we're able to share in this conversation and, and hear a little bit about your story. And I think it's going to, like Haley said, have a, a really nice and lasting impact on um, a lot of the people in our community to hear these things. And it's really beautiful. I appreciate you listening because I think for years I was so ashamed of what I went through that I would only talk about the positive of what came out of it. And I think that it's important to show both sides, like Haley just explained about the butterfly coming out, mm -hmm. that it required that for it to become beautiful. And yes. I, I appreciate that there's a space to talk about that so, so I can help let go of any heaviness or negativity and just authentically move to the beautiful rather than kind of mm -hmm. sticking it in a suitcase and hiding it away <laughs> and hoping it never gets opened up. Yeah. <laughs> or something, a motto to live by. It's just so great. <laughs> so it's very, very clear that connecting to our diverse heritages and ancestral backgrounds is important to you. And you've also shared a little bit that 
connecting and respecting the earth around us is also very important, which you've been able to do through some of your work. So I'm wondering if you can share with us a little bit about your journey with creating music from recycled materials. Well, that's a great question. And the answer is a great story because it really didn't come from me. It came from one day when I had to go from the Andes Mountains down into Lima. I think I had to renew a visa form or something. So you have to make this long trip and get in the city. And then the cab ride takes you a long way. And usually it stops where people are, where young boys and girls are sitting there and they want, um, they want to earn a little bit of money by washing windshields. So it becomes a tense thing because the cab driver, you know, usually doesn't want the kids to wash his windshield. Blah, blah. So I was there tensing up. When we drive up, there's a little girl sitting there. She doesn't want to wash her windshield. She has a plastic bottle and she's lower your window and I'll play you a song. And she didn't really ask for a tip the way the other ones did. She just said, lower your window and I'll play you a song. Oh my goodness. And she had um, a water bottle with this and she used it as a mirror. And she, I forget the song, but it was, she had a glorious voice and she used this with these immense, amazing little rhythms. And of course I grabbed for my purse to try to get the biggest tip I possibly could give her. <laughs> but I just told the viewers, this is such beautiful music. So the idea then was, wow, she didn't wait until she had a formal guiro, you know, a plastic guiro, even a gourd guiro like I have over here. No. She took what she had around herself and she made it work beautifully. So that struck me as I would go to different workshops and I couldn't carry the materials. I would think, what do people have there? You know, how can we, how can we start with, um, like my plants, this is one of my ceremonial rattles and I know you can't see it, but you can hear it. Obviously, well, it's made out of a turtle shell. And what's inside are corn kernels. Mm, and that oh. got me thinking too. How do we make things like maracas and gourds? Of course, we just find whatever fillings we use. Mm -hmm. So the young girl got me started on the whole idea. And after that, I began thinking also teachers say, well, that's really nice. That's a great rain stick. But, you know, I don't have the budget to buy all your 30 or 40 instruments. So I, I would start thinking, okay, well, could make a rain stick out of a mailing tube, but how do you get it to sound like a rain stick and not like a ka-chunk, ka-chunk? Yeah. I start to develop, the, kind of challenge myself, maracas out of tiny water bottles so you can do the movement in both hands, and this helps kids dance around while they're playing as opposed to just simply playing one rattle. Mm -hmm. And also, at the, in the same way, I don't like wasting things. I'm one of those people that kind of wants to, will say no to plastic bags and, you know, I'll try to carry my basket to the store. So when I have something extra, I think, huh, how can I use that? And that's how I found, you know, how to work out like a Chinese pellet drum. Okay, how do I do that? And I can send you the, uh, the link to the craft. I use paper plates, extra beads or seeds, yeah. and a paper towel roll. And the kids, again, the, the teacher doesn't have to buy 30, or if she has 100 students, 100 of these things at $10 each. No, she can get the kids not only making them, but then thinking, what design do I want to put on my drum or my, or my pellet drum? Oh, you know, and you can turn that, like the Chinese pellet drum, 
into an into a lesson about the zodiac mm. about what animal are you what uh, you know it's this wonderful way again of expressing yourself the way world cultures do through symbols through ideas through taking the basic idea but drawing it differently i have never done a craft without having at least one person do it in a way i didn't tell them and it being marvelous I'm like look at that <laughs> i remember doing maraca craft at uh, maraca craft right and you'd have normally you'd have two maracas in both hands I also happen to have a very long uh, wrapping paper roll. So this one student, instead of trying to make two maracas, decided to put them on both ends of the of the roll, tie them together, and he was able to make multiple rhythms with this large kind of barbell stick. Oh yeah! And he literally took my instructions and turned it into something even more fun. <laughs> and awesome. the neat thing about that too is it was, it, then you really have to kind of move your arms and your legs. And, and he noticed, I encouraged them to do what they do with um, like maracas in Colombia, where each one's weighted a little differently. Mm -hmm. So you're getting like, so you're getting two different sounds, like your right hand's different than your left hand. Then you can kind of work with these different rhythms and things. So this was really fun as he's playing this thing, you're hearing one side from one sound <laughs> and one side from the other. And it was just a lot of, it, it's a lot of fun. And he literally invented a new instrument. That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> from nothing, from rice beans, a long roll and, and two bottles that you might've put in your recycling bin. It's just a super fun and creative. And I can tell you, people feel excited when I tell them, I've never seen one like this. I am going to go home and make one of these. You, know, the te you, you taught the teacher in the class something. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that even just shows us again, like we were talking about before, everyone's uniqueness, right? How boring would that craft have been if everyone had to do it exactly the same as you did? Mm -hmm. Instead, you've given them that freedom to explore what they like, what their sounds are, what they can do with it. And you ended up with these really awesome products, these <laughs> instruments that they're going to have so much fun with. And that's really special. I yes. mean, it would be wonderful if, if we had all these authentic instruments, but it just isn't practical, you know, in, in today's class. And you yeah. just want everybody to have one. Mm -hmm. And if you're using materials that are just, like I said, that can be retrieved from the recycling bin, then they can be really something you're proud of. But at the same time, there's something you use all the time. You can make these kind of little shaker eggs out of medicine bottles. And instead of buying dozens and dozens of these, which really has the budget for you still have one that uh, if grasping is an issue they can still grab that and have their own style shaker egg mm -hmm. so I started with that one idea then I just kept thinking huh what do I do with that or how would I make one of those and if you kind of put that idea in your head to percolate usually after a bit of time something pops up and goes here's what you can do or here's how you can do it again from things that just simply might have been you know, tossed away. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I think that a lot of people, especially during this time of, of social distancing and online learning and telehealth, we've had to become creative in in how we present our music through mm -hmm. a computer and, and 
in in people's homes they don't necessarily have the wealth of instruments that you know we would have supplied to them and so right if we're there in person yeah creative ideas like this are useful not only for use within our music therapy sessions or uh, in a music lesson online but also for parents who are looking for something to do with their children Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think it's it's a really creative and fun idea and I love the fact that as Kim said, you gave them that freedom to explore the way that they were going to interpret your instructions. Um, there you know, was no I wrong love, or right way. Uh, absolutely. I love working with special adults, and the same thing is true. They will always do a twist and a turn to the project, and, and I'm like, wow, that made it like so much better. It's just, it, it is nice not just doing it, but being open to the fact that, that you're giving them a starting point, but, <laughs> but, not a, but not an ending point. Yes. And you know what's really nice about this too, and I'll mention this in case any music therapists are working with people on the autistic spectrum, I would notice which sounds were bothersome to, to kids with noise sense, and certain noises actually bother me, so I, I kind of take note of that. Um, I did a whole series of rattles, I call them super quiet rattles, which also work in the music room because if you have 30 kids playing louder rattles with louder fillings, mm-hmm. it can be really hard to hear the beat or to hear the, the, the vocals, right? Yeah. So with, with um, the Timothy School of Autism, we end up starting with a recycled container and sand or salt. And then the thing that would make it unique, I call them hidden treasure rattles, that I had a whole tray of, of treasure like... Um, pieces from necklaces, little piles of glitter, um, marbles, you know, things that I found that I just thought were, were little tiny seashells. So we started with the basics of a rattle filled with sand, but then each person could pick two or three or whatever, mm-hmm. really as many as were on the tray so it would go around. Yeah. And then as they shook their rattle, you would see the, the treasure, it would be like a beach and out would come, oh, there's the marble. And it was just this really fun way of kind of allowing them to have sounds that were comfortable to move it at in a rhythm that was comfortable and at the same time have kind of a visual stimulation of, okay, I can see, oh, it's over there. Oh, no, it's there. (laughs) And it was just, it it was a really fun way of taking a musical project and adding kind of a visual component. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, that's really interesting because it means that you're you're making it even more accessible. Something that already is by using recycled materials that takes out the expense a little bit, yes. um, but then opening it up to individuals who have those sensory challenges to still be able to engage and to have even a more full sensory experience by having the visual as well as that sound. It makes me even think about people who have sensory aversions to touch being able to use recycled materials that are things that maybe they already use in their life. Maybe they've had a water bottle that they're okay using, but wouldn't feel comfortable grabbing an instrument because the, um, the texture or something you can kind right, of right, it's new. mix and match. Yeah. yeah. So it's really, I see a lot of applications. It's familiar. Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've ever worked with an ocean drum, but the sound is like just love an ocean so drum. Amazing. Love, love the ocean drum. But here's the thing. They're expensive. Yes. Right? Yes. So I developed a craft that was an ocean drum out of a shipping box. And this is one of my favorite ones to do with with special adults because 
I like that you can recycle from a pizza box with this crap, but I had like 80 students there. So I actually bought the white ones because also then I brought markers. So each person designed their ocean drums. And if you like, I'll send you some pictures of me. But then we put a little screen in there. We used, we recycled like plastic from, I think a tabletop. Mm-hmm. We inserted a thing so you could see it. Yeah. And then we added the filling. And this is the fun part. You seal it up and you get a working ocean drum for like literally the cost of the box. That's amazing. And, and then whatever else you had around the house, sand, salt, tiny pasta, you know, a marble, a mm-hmm. puff ball, you know, and it was so much fun to watching people say, can you give me the puff balls? Oh no, Joe has the puff. You know, it was really <laughs> wonderful having that be kind of a joyous interaction of, oh, of the group sharing with each other, complimenting each other, helping each other get the beads. Oh, I only, Ella only wants the star beads. So another woman would start picking out the star beads for Ella. <laughs> and it was just, it's just wonderful how these things are more than, make a craft they're a whole experience and then you get to to play it you get to tilt it slightly to one side or the other you get that it just it it is it is so relaxing and i frequently when i'm doing it i'll be carrying all these boxes in like and the people go are are those donuts i'm really hungry (laughs) i go no i'll show you and i'll leave it with someone and they're like can I keep this? <laughs> it's better I, than donuts. <laughs> and I say yes, because this is they, these adults that usually look like they're all dressed up to, you know, to be welcoming people in and out of a building. They're like, oh, this is so much fun. <laughs> because it is so much fun. Yes. How often do you get to sit and, you know, just make rhythms to just feel the rhythm kind of moving through you? Mm-hmm. We don't get enough opportunities like that, you know, and, in the modern world. Yeah. And I think in the more indigenous world or in the quieter world, there is more quiet. You know, we, we get to hear our own rhythms more. We hear the rhythms of the wind and we hear the rhythms of water near us. This, this is so nice in a busy modern world to stop and to kind of tune into something that's calming or interesting mm-hmm. or, or that brings us into our own rhythms. I know a lot of people who are going to be very excited to learn about this craft. Everyone that I've shown the ocean drum specifically to, they fall in love. Yeah, they fall in love with it. But you're right; they're so expensive. So to be able to recreate that experience, that feeling of the instrument, that connection to the instrument without breaking the bank or having to sacrifice one per for forty. Exactly. Yeah, this is a really fun way to make it that everyone can. Yeah. And I love to end that workshop with doing a song, mm. like um, a song about the ocean, and then everybody makes the waves for the ocean. And it's just a really fun kind of, uh, you're visualizing it all happening while you're hearing it, and then you're hearing the song about the dolphins that play in the ocean. And uh, it, I think it's just, again, music takes us away. Yeah. You know, not only are you hearing it and feeling it, but then you're thinking about the dolphins and the whales and the manatees. And it, it brings up happy memories mm-hmm. or it brings up things you've seen. And it, it, it really transports you. Yeah. And it's so individualized and, and everybody is creating their own piece of art. And yeah. I feel like even that tangible part of the experience will in turn have memories attached to it in their lives going forward. If every time they look at an ocean drum going forward is, oh, the first experience I had with this was creating my own 
I think that's so special. Yeah. You know what's funny? I had one elderly gentleman in the last workshop, and he just wanted to tell me over and over again, I'm making this for my grandchild. See, I'm sealing this up. I'm sealing this up because I always tell them to seal it up well so the little pieces. Making this for my grandchild. And at the third time, I realized that the most important thing about that sentence is I'm giving him something I made. And I didn't get that until like the third time he said, I'm going to take this home and I'm going to give this to my grandchild. And that's why I'm sealing it up so well. And it, it just, it struck me, well, he cared so much. He wanted it to be perfectly sealed, but that he wanted to give him not just a thing, but something he made. And again, like you said, it, it is, it's just so much more than a make and take craft. It's so much more than a throwaway thing. It's, if you think about like B.B. King and his guitar, you couldn't just replace that. We do develop these connections to our instruments yeah. and, and they have a life, you know, they take on a life of their own and they kind of carry that energy and, and that specialness and, if we can do that with the people we work with, that's even better. They get to keep it. They don't just get to see it and hear it when we come and visit, but they get to make their own. And even if it sits on a shelf, like you were saying, they'll be like, oh, that was the day we did that. That was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> that, an experience. That's how I get graded. You know, if, if, <laughs> if, if, I, if I keep hearing from people, they want you back because they said that day was so much fun. <laughs> creates an it's an experience in itself and it creates that connection throughout the entire process like you said as opposed to just okay make a craft and then play some music it's it's really a full being in community and sense of connection there yeah. and isn't that what music is really about yeah so it isn't just one activity to move yeah. through it really is just a wonderful grounding yeah not in yourself and, and in the people around you yeah, and I love even just in this conversation, we've talked about so many ways that we can connect with music. And I think that's what I get the sense of when I talk to you and, and about all of your life experiences with music, including your personal experience and how you came to develop this per passion for world music and cultures and um, celebrating our diverse heritages and celebrating unique kinds of performance and instrument making and sound. So I want to talk a little bit about your YouTube channel because it's incredible. It's new. The Music Museum Online, which I had the pleasure to be featured on. And so you kind of give an outlet for a number of interesting instruments and musicians to uh, explore their craft and introduce a, a particular part of their craft within this platform. So can you tell us a little bit about your passion for creating this outlet? And what are some of your... I know it's going to be a tough question, but what are some of your favorite episodes so far? Oh, wonderful. Well, I do love you graced us with being able to read your book. And I've got so much good feedback about that. Mm -hmm. It was just so, so wonderful to see a mom and her daughter both kind of learning about how the mom makes a difference as yeah. a music therapist. So I, I was really appreciative that you were one of my first visitors and guests the goal of it was in, during the pandemic, obviously, I couldn't go out and do interactive shows and I couldn't go out and do workshops. And I began thinking, well, wouldn't it be great if there was a place where I could talk about the instruments I love and show, you know, that someone who is in Seattle or in China or homeschooling 
in South Africa. I have a friend whose family just moved there and they're, they're homeschooling there or world schooling. And I, how, if I could have online a resource that explain what this instrument is, where it came from, to Pokoriko from Japan, that's based in agricultural dances in a very, very specific area of Japan. But the fun thing was, if you think of short videos, you can really explain where this came from to show you some pictures of, of men dressed, performing it, um, the sound, how children explore it, how it can be used in therapy. And then there it is, five or six minutes. And you can go on to the next one, or you could specifically look for um, a dear friend of mine did um, she did a read aloud book because she's really striving to keep her kids bilingual Mandarin, uh, Mandarin and English. And these were all these really, really cute, fun, easy to sing Mandarin songs. So I thought that this would be such a great outlet as if you were going to an actual museum, you'd be mm -hmm. wandering around, you'd be thinking, Oh, I really want to see that room with the accordion. And, and, and the other person says, well, I don't really, I'm not really interested in the accordion, but I want to go over there and, and check out the sitar. And I want to go in there and I want to make an instrument. So I figured the channel would be like a virtual experience yeah. where you get to look at all the videos and you get to say, ah, I want to go look at that, uh, that gentleman that makes, turns a hula hoop into a tambourine big enough for six people. <laughs> and that was, again, was one of my favorite things because, you know, I kind of pride myself on using the most, the craziest components. And he definitely upped my game there. <laughs> I, he tied all these great rattles to this thing. And when we can be together, close together, we can all shake that together. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I learned so much at the same time while I'm kind of creating and hopefully giving back. I also know teachers, they just need some some no prep lessons, mm -hmm. some fun things to do with their class and send the kids to the music museum. Mm -hmm. Let them see, you know, what what a, what a Mapuche instrument sounds like. I have a trutruco there and it's this really loud, annoying sounding horn. But it's a fun, when you think of students and you're trying to show them, you know, that the world is full of interesting and different things, mm -hmm. that's, wow, that was loud. I thought that was annoying. Oh, I thought that was neat. You know, it really starts the conversations. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I want to tie I want to tie in some of the things because the one horn you see, that was also discovered in ancient Mesoamerica. And I've also seen it used by ninjas in Japan. So this is another way of getting kids to think about like the connections even between cultures that are that are thousands of miles and sometimes hundreds of years apart. Yeah. What does that say about us? It's it, it just it gets them thinking in a new way. Yeah. And at the basis of it is respect. Absolutely. Isn't that interesting that these people were not less of all? They were in fact maybe you know, that they that everything is worthy of your attention mm -hmm. and worthy of your study and, and you know, it's just what draws you that ends up why someone is an anthropologist and someone else is a baker. Mm -hmm. but it's all still worthy it's all still so valuable i love that that might end up being the name of this episode <laughs> i love that word worthy um mm -hmm. it's all so worthy and we'll be sure to link the music museum online in the description below this episode um and i'm sure it'll be a great resource to lots of people that come across the podcast and it just keeps adding. How often do you add episodes to, to the channel? 
I try to do it about twice a week. And I also invite people to reach out to me, even if it's just something as simple, like here's how I use claves in my class, or here's my favorite song to teach, or here's my favorite song to involve people in a clapping rhythm. You know, reach out to me because, you know, I really love to have guests from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm so proud to have had people pop in from, from many, many different places. My goal is to keep widening that out so we can have some authentic voices, you know, really from from all the continents that are populated saying, this mm -hmm. is my music. This mm -hmm. is this is and this is what it means to me and, and have it be there for teachers and kids, you know. Uh, I have a friend of mine who wrote a, the mask song. He's a young music therapist from Mumbai, India. And I want kids to think, look at that. He's not much older than me. And he wrote that. I, I think this is very empowering, especially if you're not seeing faces that look like you. Mm -hmm. This is a great place for teachers to send their kids to say, huh, people in this channel, look, they sound like me. They look like me. They're, they come from the cultures I come from. And they're doing wonderful things. Again, it, it's getting to that very premise that everyone is contributing something incredibly valuable and we need to back up and make sure that that the things we say encourage that that encourage yeah. that we're starting from that point of value as opposed to kind of a hierarchy or better or worse yeah i love that i love that so much oh, i think that's a great sentiment that. to kind we of need that the sign of wisdom happens at a certain point when you stop and you say, which one of these things have served me and which one of these things has served my community? And wisdom comes when you, after trying all those things, when you say, oh, this is this has made life better. And I think of that as our culture. There are many, many things. Now is our time to say, which of these serve us? You know, which of these make us better? Which of these things are the things we want to add to our life? And which do we want to drop? Mm -hmm. You know, which have no, we tried, but have no purpose. So it's just, I don't know. I just find that, that when you listen to people who've seen, who've lived through so much and have, you know, kind of conquered such difficult situations, they really can, you know, put a fine edge on, what you're going through that's it, it it's truly helped me to kind of back up and look at things you know in a broader way we just can't go on the way it is we can't go on with things being so lopsided one of the beautiful native elders that i was graced to spend time with he said modern man is like a person standing on his head you can do it but for how long and I think that the truth of that is, is that we have our priorities upside down. We can do it, but for how long? It's breaking now. And as it breaks, we need to return to those things that matter. And they've always been there at the core of us. Song, words, music, movement. It's all there. And that's what you too do. That's what music therapists do. That's what I think wonderful, valuable musicians do. And may it happen more and more. May it awaken the spirit of love and respect. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I have very little to add on to that. <laughs> I feel like we should move into music now. I agree. Because I feel like that's where this all stems from. And, and it's so transformative in the best way. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. We are the rainbow people, we are the
dawning of a new day. We are the rainbow people. We are the rainbow people. We are beams of golden light. We are the bridge to the dawning of a new day. breath of fresh air honestly honestly I think we all just took um (laughs) on the camera I can see that we all (laughs) let out a big exhale right after that finished yeah Yeah. thank you for listening it's just you know this has been a hard period in my growth Mm -hmm. and finding people that that you resonate with the things that I'm kind of having the courage to say now that I've always believed but have had a hard time letting out mm-hmm. this is really helpful and I think that we all are challenged to stand up more and this is really helpful to me you know it's very affirming to keep standing up keep saying these things keep making music we all need to do it in whatever whatever our medium is we need to keep keep standing up and keep using our voice yes. keep using our words and our thoughts and making things different and better Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Able Voice Podcast. If you want to find more content like this, please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at MTA Haley and at MTA.Kimberly to get notified when new episodes become available.